Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map Five Weekly Look at All Things Houston Bars and Restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map Food Editor Eric Sandler. This is the Tuesday show where we talk about some news in the restaurant world as well as a restaurant we dined at recently. To do that, I am joined by my co-host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, had a lot of bagel drama. Brazos Bagel opened briefly a couple of weekends ago. This was the brick and mortar of a longtime bagel pop-up. It was accompanied by quick sellouts like as early as 10 or 11 a.m. on weekend mornings. And then a few days later, Zach Wilson, the founder of Brazos Bagel, said that he was no longer going to be affiliated with the, the bagel shop on, on Durham Drive and that his business partners were proceeding without him. I talked to them and they they said they're they're opening this week as Space City Bagels. So we've had a lot of a lot of shuffling in the in the bagel world. You know, Mary, I know you've you've been you've been in uh partnerships with with chefs and other creatives during your time at both La Olivier and Avondale. I know you advise people in your capacity as an attorney. I'm just going to say to you, partnerships are tricky, huh? Oh, boy. Who knew there could be so much drama in the bagel world? Um, yes, partnerships are very tricky. And sometimes things can start off as a beautiful dream and end as an ugly nightmare. Uh, I don't know the particulars here, but that is a very quick departure from a honeymoon phase into an abrupt exit. Yeah. I talked to Robert Martinez, who was, who was one of the partners. He was going to be affiliated with Brazos Bagel and is now part of the leadership team for Space City Bagels. And what he said is there was a dispute between him and his other business partner on one hand and Zach Wilson on the other about the quantity of bagels that needed to be produced every day and that they had agreed on a certain quantity and that that was not that was not being produced and and i don't i don't quite understand how we how we go from you need to make 60 dozen bagels a day to we're not working together anymore i don't i don't fully understand if if whose decision that was but but that's where we are i think a lot of times you know i think pop-ups um are a great way to test whether the popularity of a concept or how the quality of a product. But I think, you know, if you don't really understand or align your vision with your partners, there's going to be trouble in paradise and what, and what those expected roles are. And, you know, pop-ups are great, but they're not a day in day out. You have to be there and turn out a lot of quantity. And I think, I think that that reality might not have been uh, something that this person was prepared for. Right. Right. We've got rent to pay and employees who are on a salary. And if we sell out of bagels at 10 AM, they're not going to make enough money because we're not going to have hours for them to work. And also like, we're not going to make enough money selling bagels. Like you got, so anyway, so, you know, I, Brazos exclusivity doesn't work in brick and mortar you know right like not right. not not like that right so brazos bagel is going to go back to its its old ways it'll be available at coffee shops and farmers markets i know they're at henderson and kane they're at 
Kojak's, which is in Lazy Brook Timber Grove on 18th Street and, and a few other places. Space City Bagels is moving forward with working in a commissary kitchen with a new bagel recipe. Obviously, I have not had a chance to try their bagels. I don't have an opinion on the quality of Space City Bagels, but of course, I wish them all the best because there really are only about five or six really good bagel shops in the Houston area, which is not enough, apparently, given given all of the enthusiasm for the, the short-lived Francis Bagel brick and mortar. So we need we Given need that I bring bagels. Russ and Daughters back from New York every time I'm there, I agree. We do not have enough bagels here. Well, I, I mean, that would be one possibility, right? You could buy par-baked bagels from a New York bagel bakery and then cook them off to order. I mean, you know, we have... We have po'boy shops that do that, for example, right? They buy Leidenheimer's po'boy rolls from New Orleans, par-baked, which means they're sort of like, they're they're almost ready. And then they get heated up in an oven and, and serve fresh and they taste fresh. But still, we want that, we want that homegrown, that homemade bagel. 100%. I mean, people love something from scratch, you know, and they love something that's limited quantity and it makes them feel special and I don't know. You look at the success of Underground Creamery. I know that's a different thing, but still the success lies in the freshness and exclusivity and the flavors, right? And that could relate to bagels as well. Well, and also the durability of our existing bagel shops. I mean, you know, Hot Bagel Shop, New York Bagels, now the Bagel Shop Bakery, even uh, Bagel Express out in Sugarland. I mean, these are businesses that have 30, 40 years of the community. So Houstonians will support a quality bagel shop when you when you give it to them. So, you know, I feel I'm I'm hopeful. I, I hope that I I want that for, for Space City Bagels. I want them to be as beloved as as our bagel institutions. Agreed. All right, let's move on to topic number two. Chef Dominic Lee has returned to Houston to open Augustine's, which he is describing as a progressive Creole restaurant. It will be located in a boutique hotel in the Third Ward. You may remember Dominic from his time working as the executive sous chef at Karen's, and then he was the executive chef at Puccine, a relatively short-lived modern American restaurant in Sawyer Yards. Mary, let me let me start there. I mean, do you have any memories of Puccine or eating Dominic's food? Yeah, I went there for its opening, and I think I went there a couple of times after that. I like his food. I think this location, being in a hotel on the third ward, is probably right on brand for him. I think people have missed his food, and I'm excited to see what he has and what he's learned since he's been out of the city. Sometimes you have to leave in order to come back and be stronger, so I'm very interested to see what, what he'll be bringing back with him. Yeah, and let's just say, I mean, it was time well spent. He spent a couple of years uh, in Italy working, learning, studying. And then he went to New York City. He opened a restaurant called Alligator Pear last year that, that you know, we had a couple of friends who, who went to New York. And while they were there, because they knew Dominic, they stopped by. I heard word of mouth was very positive. I don't, I don't quite know the circumstances under which he decided to move on from that project and come back to Houston. But, you know, I... I'm with you. I mean, I remember his time at Pachin. I remember his upscale Southern food. So taking those experiences, plus whatever he learned in Italy, plus whatever he picked up in New York, 
Uh, I'm feeling very uh, optimistic about Augustine's. It's a great, it's a great name as well. I like that name. Yeah, apparently it's named for a family who moved from France to New Orleans in the colonial era or or maybe the early American history, and then eventually immigrated to Texas, like in the 1800s. So, you know, we do like a we do like a little a little history with our dinner. Not not too much, maybe not like a lecture, but but you know, tie it into something, tie it into something real, a jumping off point for the culinary inspiration. I, I think that's very cool. Yeah, give us a story. We love a story and we love we love a hometown story as well, for sure. Well, and I said to Dominic when I when I talked to him about this, I said, What is what is progressive Creole or, or how are you using your time in Italy to influence this menu? And he said, Well, there's this dish called Ragu Genovese. It's made with onions, beef, and bones. And and it kind of reminds him of a roast beef debris po' boy. So he'll do roast beef debris pasta in the style of ragu genovese. And as soon as he sort of explained all this to me, I was like, wait, when it, when is this restaurant opening and when can I eat there? Like, Yeah, I need that with, like right and, now. Yeah, and it's and it's a mile from my house. Like, uh, yes, yes, you'll you'll see me there on the regular. Absolutely. All right. And then topic number three, Sorrento Ristorante on Lower Westheimer has new owners. They are Melissa and Robert Salem. Robert is a trial attorney. Melissa is a entrepreneur. I kind of like this story because they were longtime regulars of Sorrento. A boss Hussein who owned Sorrento was ready uh, to take a step back. He approached them. Robert has been a investor in some restaurants in Austin and and he decided to take it on that he he loved Sorrento he didn't want to see it go away he had some ideas about how he could improve it and they agreed on a price and now Robert is the owner Mary uh, not to put too fine a point on it but you're an attorney who used to own a restaurant <laughs> on Lower Westheimer so yeah. do you have any advice for for Robert and Melissa's they take on sure. this project Sorrento was a special restaurant for me and for my family. Um, my history with Abbas goes back before I was even born. My grandmother was the food writer, food critic for the Houston Post, and later on did um, PR for him when he ran, um, my gosh, I can't even think of the name of the restaurant that was across the street from me with the tree in it, in the house. Michelangelo's. Michelangelo's. He was the manager of Michelangelo's before he opened Sorrento. So anyway, long story short, when I owned La Olivier in Avondale, every month I would either go to Sorrento to have lunch with the boss or he would come and have lunch with me. And just hearing the stories about he and my grandmother's relationship and what she taught him and also what he taught me about the restaurant business. He's one of the best. I love this restaurant, it's right to be loved. I, I don't think we have a lot of institutions left, you know, these kind of old guard restaurants. And I would put Sorrento in that category, just kind of old world Italian, really beautiful food and a great environment, uh, love their bar. And I would just say, refresh it. Don't, you know, don't redo it. Don't think that it needs something different because it's worked for a long time. It probably needs a little bit of modernity added to it, maybe a little refresh in the 
dining room and the bar in terms of decor, but such a beautiful restaurant. We don't get to see a lot of these restaurants that last this long that are legacy restaurants. And so I think listen to your customers because your customers will always tell you what you are um, and what they don't want changed. You see the La Grilla location just change from their old location to their new. And I know a lot of people like the new one and some people are, you know, wishing it was like the, the old one. So I think you have to balance all of that, but uh, I'm glad that it's sold to somebody who wants to preserve it and has the ability to do so. So that makes me very happy. I cannot wait to have a limoncello martini at their bar. Yeah, I will say I like, you know, when I when I was talking to Robert, he's like, you know, we love this restaurant. We love the service. They treat everyone like family. The managers are very experienced. None of that is changing. He did kind of basic stuff that you would want uh, someone who's making an investment in a business to do, right? They bought uh, new chairs, new bar stools. He said he added 300 bottles to the wine list, right? That's a, that's a big cash outlay. He put $40,000 into the HVAC system to, to make it more comfortable in, in hot and cold days. It's like, you know, all of that kind of, you know, just showing the place some love that maybe it had been a little bit neglected. And, and then he's, he's adding, right. He's not, he's not taking anything away, but you know, Sorrento used to have brunch. And then it, I think in the pandemic sort of stopped serving brunch, brunch is coming back, right. Bi-monthly wine tastings that, that show off this expanded wine list. That's, that's on the agenda. They added pizzas because it's an Italian restaurant and it just, you know, it makes things easier for people. If, if you give them a, a couple of nice pizzas, they're, they're finally going to offer some of their menu to go. They've never had to go before to go is really popular, right? Like if you can, you can boost your bottom line by doing that. So they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be like, he's not trying to turn it into Marmo, <laughs> but please but, no. <laughs> well, no, no. But all, all like just the kind of like smart operator things that you should do for a restaurant in 2024, right? Like you should have to go. You should have nice chairs to sit on. You should give people what they want in terms of uh, pizza and more seafood. And, and you should give them some some luxury dishes like Dover Sole and Veal Chops, because if they want to splurge, you should take their money. You know, it all it all kind of makes sense to me. And, and I have to say. I, I couldn't tell you when my last meal at Sorrento was. I'm going to several years ago. I'm going to um, make but, you go. We are going. No, no. And... I, I, I honestly, I'm I'm delighted that you have this history with this restaurant because I was I was trying to figure out who was going to go with me to to visit to visit this and and meet Robert in person and and see it. And so I'm I'm so glad that you have this history and that you're excited about these changes because yes, we will go. We will go and check this out and report back. I'm a, I'm excited. I think. So many new restaurants, it's hard to stay in front of everybody and people, you know, to stay on people's list of where they want to go and everything else. It's okay to have stalwarts on your list. You're always going to get great service at a place you go to regularly, especially a restaurant like this, because that's what they do. So very excited. Yay. (laughs) All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Mary, 
Larry, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Artisans. This is the longtime French restaurant. It was a Midtown staple. It has moved to a new building at Westheimer and Baring on the former site of the James Coney Island. They tore that building down. They built a beautiful new expansive restaurant with a big bar, a big patio, an open kitchen with seating that looks that looks that lets you kind of watch them cook and plate and all that stuff. Big wine storage complete with private wine lockers for regulars. I mean, you know, this is a it's a pretty comprehensive operation. You know, I want to I want to talk about the the food and the service, but before we do that, I want to I want to ask you about this location. Uh, they were in Midtown for so long, basically across the street from from Brennan's. Now they're in the Galleria, right down the street from Pappas Brothers. So, what do you think, uh, artisans? Midtown, Midtown versus Galleria. Ooh, I think. Listen, if you're gonna move or you're gonna change locations, for let's just. Let's just analyze this in a post-COVID lens, shall we? They're going for the money, and I'm here for it because you have to. It's so hard to operate in the post-COVID environment. I don't care what kind of hospitality concept you are. It's hard. So if you can put yourself in a location that gives you access to both tourists, business people for lunch, as well as close to wealthier neighborhoods that are willing to spend at the price points required to support a restaurant like this. I think their location's very good. Close to the Galleria, not in the Galleria, which I, honestly for me is a plus. It's easier to navigate in and out of that. Um, close enough to enough office workers and high-rise towers that have a lot of office business in it and close to some fairly affluent neighborhoods as well. So I like this location a lot. Yeah, and then what did you think of the the design? I mean, it's it's you know we've been we've been going to all of these places that are kind of designed to be featured on uh, various social media apps. Artisans is very different. It's it's so much more understated. I I like that it's understated. We have been to a lot of fine dining restaurants over the last several months, and some of the design of those has been exceptional. Some of it's been over the top. Some of it has been subtle, but I think there's, I think if you're really confident about your food and your beverages, you're going to let that speak for itself. And I think the decor and the design of this restaurant really lets it be about the food. And for me, of course, I want a well-designed environment, but if the food's not good, I don't care how much money or who your designer is that really is secondary for me. I know that's not that way for everybody. Some people just like a pretty place and they don't really care so much about the food. That's not the case for me. Uh, they're showcasing their chef and their culinary team's talent as well as their beverage uh, program. And I enjoyed this even more than I thought I would. They they really hit it on every note for me. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, I'm, I, I'm very impressed by the new design. I thought it was understated i thought it was comfortable i thought it was sort of classic in its way let's talk about the food you know we were invited there to try their six course chef's tasting menu let me just say we're going to talk about the dishes and and what we thought of them i'm mostly just impressed that you know you had you were on a tight schedule we had about 75 minutes and we told them that they nailed it they, they got you out right on time 
for your next appointment. And, and so I just wanted to say, you know, above and beyond the food, I was really impressed by the professionalism of the service staff. Yeah. Professionalism of the service and listening to what your customers need that night. I didn't have a ton of time and I wanted to try it, but for a restaurant of this caliber to, you know, accommodate your needs, right. While Sometimes I'm in the mood for a three-hour dinner. This was not one of those nights that I had that kind of time. And and they executed all of their dishes, I think, as well as they would have had they had double the time. And these were some serious dishes with a lot of care involved in the making of them. And, you know, I know you like to have French food some of the time. Obviously, having owned a French restaurant and having a French partner, that that for me is... I love French food. I, do I want this type of food all day, every day? No, but a really beautifully ex- executed foie gras, give it to me because not enough people do it well and they did it exceptionally well. Yeah. I mean, the, the foie gras stood out, you know, we had the seared scallops with the, the wonton ravioli and the lobster cappuccino. I think for me, the, the standout was that pistachio crusted sea bass with the white asparagus and the saffron uh, velute and the pesto risotto. The fish was juicy. I mean, it was it was very well cooked. It was that pistachio crust was sweet and nutty. That pesto risotto, it it spread nicely. It had just the right texture. It wasn't, you know, sometimes I find risotto to be a little bit too al dente. This was cooked very nicely, and it looked beautiful. And 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 then we had you know filet au poivre, which I'm never going to be a big filet guy, but you give me. You give me an au poivre sauce. You give me a, a very decadent, luxurious mashed potato with it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a happy man. They're called Robichon potatoes, and they are equal parts butter and potatoes, and they are fantastic. <laughs> and then we finished with chocolate mousse, which was, I mean, that's that's like really, there's there's like three desserts I wanted at a French restaurant, basically, right? It's it's chocolate mousse, tart to tan, you know, maybe some sort of like crepe situation, but I'm never I'm never going to be mad about chocolate mousse. No, and they did it in a contemporary presentation. I will say that. Like one of the things that I was most impressed with is they did the classics, but they did them in a elevated contemporary way. So, um it didn't feel like you're at an old guard restaurant in a in a bad way. I really liked this new location. Loved our beverages. They paired our foie with two different sauternes. Uh, one from the early 2000s and one from 2015, being able to see the nuances between that. We finished dessert with a 40-year-old port. The beverage program's really good here. Uh, so there's no lacking component, which is really nice. Well, and, and I like that, you know, there's a sommelier walking around the dining room who can certainly guide you. But our server, Joyce, I, I mean, she's who suggested one of the sarturns. Uh, you asked her for some other advice to pair with the the fish and the steak. She had good suggestions. Like I like when the service staff knows the wine list well enough to offer some guidance. So you don't have to wait for the sommelier. So we could like kind of, you know, again, we were on a tight schedule, so we had to keep things moving. She was and, a great was server. A pro. Yeah. I, I would, I would also like to say that, you know, your server can guide your experience for better or for worse. And she was wonderful. I think it's so nice to have somebody who takes care of you, who's there when you need them, but not necessarily when you don't, but reads the room. And she was great. I mean, she was a complete pro. So that really helped the experience as well. 
Absolutely. All right. And then you know what the last question is. Yes. You and I went to Kakodi, a new French fine dining restaurant in River Oaks, uh, a few weeks ago. We talked about that on the show last month. We have now been to Artisans, the new, well, new location of a French fine dining restaurant in the Galleria area. If I gave you your choice, Mary, which would you go back to first? I'm going to go back to Artisans first. Uh, I would actually, like, I I don't know, maybe this speaks to the closeness of the relationship I have with my mother and maybe for you as well. But I always think, like, would I bring my mother to this restaurant? And I would, like, I would be happy to take my mom to that restaurant. I think it's, it appeals to a wide audience from my age to her age and younger than me as well. And um, that's a good caliber test for me. So yes, I would, I would go back. I'd be excited to go back and um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going back. You know, you know, what's so funny that you mentioned your mother because French food is one of my mother's favorite things to eat. We don't, you know, we don't do a lot of it, but you know, I, I took her to PS 21 last year after you and I dined there. And I then, went there with your mommy. That's right. That's right. You joined us for that meal. So we went to Artisans. Once I, I got in the car and I sort of turned out of the parking lot, I called my mother and told her, you know, your next outing with your girlfriends or friends from the synagogue or whatever it is, like, you need to go to Artisans. You're going to, you're going to really like this restaurant. And, and so I, you know, I, you know, I think that that says something about both of our reactions to it. Is it like, oh yeah, our moms are going to like, like we like this. And, and also uh, our mothers are going to really like this. So I, I'm, I'm actually delighted that you, you had that reaction because it was the same reaction that I had. Yeah. If we're taking our moms, you should take your moms as well, as well as a date. And you know what? Take your corporate expense account as well, because it could, it could get you pretty far here if you wanted it to. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurant of the week. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Jason Gould of Common Bond and 1891 American Eatery and Bar.